Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, our phone lines will be open all throughout the show because it's Farmer Friday, 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com if you have an agronomic question. Brian, uh, where do you want to start today? or want to dive into some of those questions to begin the show. Well, I would just say planting in our region of the country is going along great. I was just talking to an agronomist who said there are a lot of people around us that are winding up the corn planting. They're actually wanting to start beans. So that's really early for our area. There's even a guy fairly local here that's all done with corn, beans, everything. So it's super exciting that we are just able to go. We've missed out on some of the rain chances. And like in our farm, we're switching over to beans as we speak here. So we've got a little more corn to put in, some silage corn that doesn't need to go in the ground quite yet. And we've got some dirt work, some tiling, and some other things on a couple of new fields. So it's going to be great getting those things done. It's just such a nice change compared to the last few years. I mean, if every spring was like this, um, a lot more people would like to farm because it's actually kind of fun. Other than, of course, the commodity prices. And I I keep telling people, yeah, you know, this whole COVID thing has messed everything up. And it's hurt us in the short term as farmers, that's for sure. But I am optimistic for the long term that things are going to come back. So we just have to hang in there in the meantime and hope for the best here as we move forward. But other than that, no, I guess it's just when people are able to go, 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 and you don't have rain events. That's when we see more accidents than normal. And this is one of the things that our dad talked to us a lot about when we were young farmers. And he just said, look, I don't ever go 24 hours a day. And I don't want you guys to ever go 24 hours a day because here's what happens. When you get tired, you get stupid. And you take, you take shortcuts. You, you forget about safety. And that's when most accidents on the farm end up happening. It's when people are too tired. So he just always told us, make sure you get a good night's sleep every night. And that's, I guess, what I would recommend to all farmers out there to be super safe when you're going down the road. Follow safety practices all the time because, I mean, it only takes an instant and something goes wrong that affects you the rest of your life. So just be safe while you're out there. All right, lots to think about uh, this spring. Let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Got an email from John, and he said you were talking about pre-emerge treatments after you plant sunflowers. I'm just curious, uh, how does that work? Do you do you like those pre-emerges after the sunflowers? Can you do them the very same day? Is that okay? Is there a time limit on it? Well, you could, but I don't really like that, and here's the reason why. Because what happens too often is you say, oh, I'm going to plant, and then I'm going to spray. But let's be honest. If you can plant, you're going to keep planting. And then all of a sudden, stuff starts popping out of the ground and you go, oh, dang, I'm too late. Well, now what do I do? And I say, um, you tear up the stand and you replant it. And you're going to say, what? No, I'm never going to do that. I'll live with the weeds. (laughs) Okay, so that's a lose-lose. So don't do that. Just put the the herbicide on first and then go plant the, uh, go plant the sunflowers. Now, if you say, hey, I'm in a no-till, I'm in a strip-till situation, I'm worried 
I'm going to kick my herbicide out of the row. Don't get too worried. We've been doing that for years and years and years and years, and we've never had a big problem. I rarely, as an agronomist, see that. I have seen it sometimes. Okay, if you're going to move a bunch of dirt. Yep, I've seen it a couple times, just not very often. Uh, Another sunflower question here, Brian. This one came from Nicholas. He said trifluralin. And now this would, I mean, there's a lot of crops that trifluralin get used to. Nicholas was asking specifically about sunflowers. But he said, can I spray and then turn around and till it in later? If so, how far ahead of the tillage can I get? Yes, you can. What we've always said is you're going to start losing it in just a few minutes. So I realize the label says 24 hours. It's more like 24 seconds that you've got before you start losing some. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to lose it all. So what I usually tell people is trifluralin is so cheap. So just put a little bit extra on if it's going to be an hour or two hours or four hours before you get it worked in and understand that rain would help you, clouds would help you, cool temperatures would help you. So there are a lot of things that will reduce the amount of evaporation. But yes, you can theoretically and according to the label, till it in within 24 hours. We just like to keep that, that window as narrow as possible. Okay, I got two questions or questions here about seed treatments. We were talking about using 36 seed treatments on our soybeans, and yep. uh, Ben and Doug both had some comments on that. Ben said, "Man, it sounds like $55 beans with $325 worth of treatment." And Doug said, "I'm just curious about these 36. Uh, do you use all at once? What are you learning yep. about using that many different things on your seed?" Yeah, and it'll actually now be 38. So what, what it ends up being, though, it's a lot of biologicals, a lot of microbes. So we're using four fungicides on there, one insecticide, inoculant, extender, and then a whole bunch of other biologicals. Okay, so yes, it sounds like a lot, and it is a lot. You have to have the right formulations to go together. Otherwise, it ends up getting too sticky, too wet. But grand total for all that, the fungicides, insecticide, inoculant and other biologicals we're spending 15 bucks plus with that 15 bucks we get free treatment on replants and we get up to two free resprays on insects so we're not spending that much it's more than paying its way we get much faster emergence we get better disease control I, i mean just i can give you a whole laundry list of things we get out of that so it's worth the money and you know, I would look for soybean prices to come down next year. They already came down this year a bunch. I mean, average soybean price this year was down 3 to $5 a unit from last year. I would expect another 3 to $5 a unit going into next year. You want to protect that seed. The seed's still valuable. And if, if, it, if the seed treatment pays, you're doing side-by-side stuff, and the seed treatment pays, that's all we care about. Too often I talk to guys that say, I need to cut my cost. And I go, no, what you need is to make more money. So at least run trials, and you do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying on our own farm, seed treatment pays, and I think it pays for most farmers that I work with. It is Farmer Friday on our show today. If you've got an agronomic question or would like to discuss what's happening on your farm, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. 
Always read and follow label directions. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for Heads Up Seed Treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on Ag PhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold. Compatible and cost-effective season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply Heads Up to your 2020 bean seed order. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head to the phone lines right now. we got Caleb with us down in Georgia. Caleb, how are you doing? All right, there you go. Now you're on, Caleb? Yes, I'm here. All right, great. Uh, how are things going down in Georgia? Well, we're doing pretty good. Sunshine is about 80 degrees outside. We're getting ready to start planting peanuts here in about a week or so. And corn is doing pretty good, about V5, V6. But we did have a storm roll through yesterday. Had about four to eight inches of rain come all of a sudden. Oh, so. my goodness. Yeah, we're going to see how things go from here, but it's still small, so it's looking pretty good considering. And we got strip-till cover crops, so that helped us out a good little bit there. You know, that's one of the things. We get a lot of questions about the strip tillage and, and erosion. So you had huge rains come in a hurry. What do you, Did you notice some differences versus some of your neighbors or some of the other fields around that are conventional till? Oh, absolutely. Uh, where we had our cover crop and strip till, we didn't have any water running across the roads whatsoever, but one field we have a split, conventional and strip till. Well, it was the conventional till ground that washed all the way through part of our strip till field, and so that, that really sold me on having that biomass there on the ground to keep the water from eroding away. Yeah, you just got to see that one time in your lifetime, and and that's always going to be stuck in your head. I know for me too. We've we've got a lot of rolling hills here, and if it's conventional till, and you get some of those big rains like you're talking about, Caleb, it's it's a mess, real hurt in a real hurry. Yep, yep. And I also wanted to say that I sure do appreciate y'all's positive outlook on things in the agricultural world. 
it's pretty tough right now. And I actually this morning, I was sitting down to look at some of our revised crop budgets from our state university. And the majority of them were showing us in the red for every crop down here in Georgia. Yeah, so, that's... Well, you're a young farmer, Caleb, so get used to seeing a lot of red on, on uh, any of the financials for a while, at least at the start of the year, because you always think, well, you know, if I only do uh, average or, or county average, uh, might not make it work. And that's one of the reasons, and I know you were at the the uh, Neil Kinsey seminar this winter, and it's one of the reasons that we're trying to work on balancing things out and try to try to get more yield with less dollars spent. I think that's a good message for, for everybody to hear. And certainly as you're getting going in farming, you got 50 years of farming in front of you to, to think about that, man, if I can figure out how to get the most out of every dollar I spend, I got a better chance of making money. Yep. That's right. Cause right now, 200 bushel corn, it's not doing it for us, but we're looking towards 250, 300 bushel corn. So we're going to see how it goes, but I appreciate y'all's positive outlook. Anytime I feel down, I just turn it on, and you or Brian are talking about how we're going to get through it, and things are going to be good. So, well, thanks, I do Caleb. Appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate that too. Yeah, it's well, we we farm in the real world, and ideally, yes, everything would work out great for us. And you know that eight inches of rain that you got in one shot yesterday. If you would have got that with eight one-inch rains, like every week for the next eight weeks here, wow, that would have been great. And when you look back at the end of the year and you say, oh, yeah, we had uh, 35 inches of rain, it just the bad part is it all came in like four events. <laughs> you know, you aren't going to see right. that story. You're going to see, wow, 35 inches of rain. We should have had some great crops. But, yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough sometimes out there. We just got to make the best of, of what we got. I, I like hearing about that strip till and cover crop thing, though, for what you guys are doing. I think that's I think that's a smart move. Yep, we're going to be real interested to see how it turns out here with the combine this fall. Outstanding. Well, hey, good luck to you, Caleb. Uh, thanks for calling. Really appreciate it. Good luck as you get those peanuts in the ground. Hopefully everything turns out great. All right, sounds good. Thank you. You bet. Let's head up to Michigan. We've got Melissa with us right now. Melissa, how's it going? Going well. How are you? Good. All right, so you heard Caleb. He said it's 80 degrees and sunny down there. What's it, what's it like up in Michigan today? Well, Georgia sounds wonderful, but actually today is one of our one nice days for the week. It's about high 40s, and we saw the sun, so I won't complain. <laughs> sun is good. Sun is good. And the one thing I like about it now is we're getting into late April here. That sun's really got some power. I know we had some ground that still had a little bit of frost in it, and we get <laughs> sunshine days like this. That really helps get things going. Right, yes. Our forecast for the next week or so is – Still a little chilly, so we got to hold off on corn and beans, but good growing weather for our beets. Yeah. So when you look at the corn and soybeans this year, what have you got left to do to get prepared to put them in the ground? Is everything set? The the field works already? The fertilizer's ready? you still got some of that work to do too this spring? We have on our um, fields going to soybeans, some of them were beet fields last year, and when we left the fields after beet harvest, they kind of just stayed exactly what they were. We didn't make any strips. We didn't want to touch it because it was pretty wet. So we have to do some strips and build our berms back up there. But most of it will be stale seed bed in the corn. And, yeah, not 
not too much to do. Hey, since you mentioned the beats, uh, there's a lot of our listeners that don't get the privilege or the the fun of raising sugar beets and all the challenges that come with that. Were you able to harvest all your beets last year, or did you have to leave any out in the field? And then what additional challenges are there on those particular acres of soybeans that are going to be following beets versus those that would be following corn? We did get all of our beets out last year. We were pretty lucky. Um, a lot of our co-op, they were digging in some snow and some heavy rains, but we had about 30 acres towards the end that we kind of mudded out. But other than that, they were pretty beautiful conditions. We had some rye interseeded, which really helped us in our footing. And so that sure. kind of left it pretty well. And we still have some rye out there. So that'll be good for our beans because we like to plant those into our rye. And other than building the berms back up, we're sitting pretty good. Outstanding. Okay, so talk yeah. to me about corn now where you're farming in Michigan. Is corn rootworm a big issue? What kind of trait packages do you normally shoot for in your corn? Uh, we don't have that big of a rootworm issue. Actually, we grow all conventional corn, so okay. we don't have too many worries about it. Our biggest issue, though, on a f- couple fields, we have slugs. So we try to, we haven't really done anything with it, but we watch for that. And usually it goes away before the growing point is above the ground. So other than slugs, we don't worry too much. Yeah, there's always some unique challenges depending on where you're at in the country. I've run into that just a little bit. We've seen slugs maybe twice ever on our farm, but I yep. know for, for some of the guys, especially the guys that have adopted more cover crops, that's one of the yeah. fun things that comes along with it. So they get a lot of benefits, but yeah, they get a new pest to try and try and battle with. So going into this year, where do you think, if you run the numbers for corn, soybeans, and beets, is there one of them that looks like it, you might have a better shot at profit at this point? Well, actually, for the past few years, our beets haven't, you know, they've always been the mortgage carrier and people think it's a really great payout, but the last few years have been a little down, but we're hoping that sugar beets, you know, hold, hold us up this year because corn beans aren't looking great, but we're hoping beets are there. There you go. Yeah. I was going to say if corn and soybeans are rosier for you than they are for our farm, I'll be surprised. So I was wondering what you'd say on the (laughs) beets, but hopefully that does come around. Well, Melissa, hopefully it warms up there soon. So you guys can get rolling on these corn and beans and, and good luck going into this growing season. Thanks. You too. We've got a number of questions that have come into our radio mailbag. And if you want to send a question in, it is simply radio at agphd.com. Uh, I had a neat one that came in about gardening. And I thought it was interesting that there's so much crossover here between gardening and uh, what's happening out in, in farm fields. And I had somebody write in, hey, I used gypsum in my garden and it worked great for me. I'm just kind of curious, uh, Lauren says, I'm just kind of curious if it worked for my husband out in his crop ground. Absolutely, Lauren. If if calcium is one of those things you need, gypsum can be a real help out in the crop ground. What I look for on the soil test is your base saturation calcium. If it's below 60%, I would say gypsum would be a pretty nice addition in many cases to boost that calcium percentage that does allow for better natural drainage as well. Thanks for that question. We'll be right back with more after this. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. 
the Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. We embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Increase your productivity with Hypro's dual react control system. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. That means our phone lines are open throughout the whole show today. We'd love to hear what's going on in your farm or help you with any agronomic questions you may have. 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Louisiana. We've got Bobby with us right now. Bobby, how you doing? Doing fine. How y'all? Excellent. We are doing great up here. Uh, what are crops looking yeah. like down where you're at? I bet you got some decent-sized well, corn already. The, yeah, we got some corn almost knee-high, but we had about five inches of rain night before last and three inches before. <laughs> We've got some areas that are a little bit kind of soggy, but really looks pretty good for the, all the rain. You know, the, the good thing, though, is that crop gets... That crop gets a little bigger, it starts sucking in quite a bit of moisture. Maybe that'll help. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you. 
But the beans, we just got a few beans planted. They kind of, they're uh, sitting there a little bit. It, we got down to 37 last week, right when we planted. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of early for those beans, but we normally like to get them in about this time. It's interesting because we are just starting planting soybeans as we speak. We should be, I'm not sure if the planters are running yet, but they're at least filling them right now. So we'll be, we'll have some beans in the ground right. ourselves later today. So maybe, maybe we're nuts, oh, Bobby. Maybe we're a little rushing things here. That's pretty good for y'all up in that area. <laughs> it is. Our, our first, y'all plant fairly early. Yeah. Our first crop insurance date for soybeans is actually on Monday or on Sunday. So we're, right. we're a day ahead right. or something, but uh, we're going to yeah. get just a few acres <laughs> in to get those planters started. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. No, it looks all right. It just, if we get these prices kind of looking right. Uh, but it's, uh, you know how farmers are. They're all whistling, going along, just like everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all optimists, Bobby. That's the only way you can farm. Cause it, I guarantee I, you. I don't know. I remember, uh, gosh, Back the first times that that we saw it, actually we were in the black and we could lock in a pretty decent profit a couple of years there. And we were talking to our dad about that. We're like, "Man, Dad, what are you talking about? This isn't so bad a deal." And he's like, "Guys, this is the first time I've seen that in 15 years. So don't count on a whole lot of years where it looks all rosy to begin yeah, with. You you got to do your job and and uh, reduce all the stresses you can on this crop so you get every bushel you can." You know, I think about where you're at in Louisiana versus where we're at. You certainly have some heat coming. And, and I mean, it gets warm up here, but nothing like what you end up having to face. What are some of the yeah. challenges this time of year? I know you said you had some cold weather just a week ago, and you get well, some heavy it, rains. It's been a lot of rain and wind, and we had little hailstorm spots. But, but uh, it's you know, it, it doesn't look that bad for all the weather we've had. We've just kind of been wet. <clears throat> but we'll be wanting in about two two months, a month. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Right? Well, we were true. we were talking with Caleb a little earlier down in Georgia, and they yeah. had four to eight inches of rain here just the last couple of days. And I was telling him, I said, you know, God, if you could have just had an inch a week for the next eight weeks, it would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> that's true. That's so true. Well, we're trying to dry out a little bit now. We're going to try to get the planters going again. Outstanding. Do some beans, and then we'll try to go into cotton. Yeah, that cotton yep. is pretty fussy. That needs some warm weather to go. It does. It, it, we like to get it on up there and get the soil temperature a little warmer. Uh, but it's it'll. They've got these varieties hold pretty good early planting. Well, we'll see. I guess early planting for you is a little different than up here. We've we've uh, put a little patch of cotton in about every year for our field day that we do. And I know if we try and push that, if we're two weeks too early, it's a disaster. And if it's uh, <laughs> days where we're consistently in the 80s, all of a sudden cotton works up here. But, yeah, we just don't have don't enough season to really do it. Well, Bobby, it's good uh, talking to you. I wish you good yeah. luck down there in Louisiana. Yeah, I know you take care. I hope Good luck to y'all, too. I mean, we'll need it this year, it looks like. I think so. I think so. Thanks a lot, Bobby. Oh, it's oh, lost Bobby there. Uh, got Steve up in New York. Steve, how are you doing? Pretty good, Dad. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, we were talking about soil health and soil life here just the other day, and 
Uh, Janelle tells me that was one of the topics you were kind of thinking about. No doubt. Um, with we're heavy dairy economy here, and with the dairy economy really on a tier, um, I've had lots of neighbors. So we're, we're not dairy farmers; we're livestock farmers and, and grain farmers, and we've had a lot of neighbors offer us land for for really low rent, if 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 zero. Wow! But I found some of these fields in the past, and I got a sneaking suspicion this year. It's corn on corn for twenty years, which I hate to call it dead soil, but I work a five. Uh, crop rotation and i know what these soils are so my question was and i've got my own thoughts but i wanted to put it out there uh, what would you do we need some we need some tonnage for cattle so it can be various types of forage but what would you put on first year and my thoughts are this the teff t-e-f-f annual rye or perhaps a uh, perennial rye and then in a caveat um, possibly sorghum sudan but i'm looking for tonnage soil health and quality uh, a quality forage but soil health to, to reclaim some organisms and some soil health is my number one priority so what do you, what have they done is it just putting so much manure out they've got a lot of salt buildup or what's the real challenge minimal manure um, minimal manure because it's in we're not in a suburban area but where these fields are um, they tend to be close to some homes that are kind of fussy about what's going on. Sure. So it's heavy chemical uh, salt fertilizers and and rotation of corn after corn after corn. Yeah, a lot of that type of ground here, the fertility is just run down so much. The micronutrients are run down, but the macros yeah. are run down too, N, P, and K. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I know what you're talking about here when you look at that crop selection to me, it's, boy, it's going to have to be something pretty hardy that's going to work there. You know, for your part in New York, what do you have the best luck with, and what, what is your strategy going into this? Um, we have super luck on, on marginal ground, but healthy, uh, with, with, with barley and wheat and, 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 and grass, grass crop with a mix of alfalfa, but alfalfa can be fussy. But on one of these fields, I, I played around with uh, two years ago barley and then last year wheat, and it was a disaster. So I'm thinking, all right, let's let's get really drastic and let's think about out of the box this TEF annual rye, something that we can build up some micros and 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 maybe some OM. Um, and I don't mind doing it for a couple of years. It's, it's I've never been one for annual forages, but. I'm trying to get outside the box here, keep this land, not turn it back because, you know, sure. how you turn it back and you'll never see it again, and I want to keep it. Yep, yep. No, that's that's a good deal, and I, gosh, I feel for these dairy guys. This is terrible what's what's happening. Sure. I was just talking with my sister before the show today about some of the livestock operations in our area, too, that are just struggling, and it, it doesn't make any sense to me, but... But hopefully these markets turn around soon enough to, to save guys and some of the programs that are out there that are available for them. But in the meantime, like you say, the ground's got to get farmed. And on some of this yeah. ground that's been corn on corn on corn forever, uh, I know in our area, too, we've got some issues around some of the dairies. If depends on management. I mean, some of the management's been fantastic, and, and the guys just have great production there. But we're we're raising some some corn silage for a dairy that we farm next to. And yeah, it's, it's a little extra work, no doubt, trying to keep that land productive the way they're going to do right. the farming. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm just trying to reach out to so many enough educated people with experience that I know and just, uh, I'm willing to try anything. The last two years on some of this land was a disaster, but yeah, uh, that's why I'm reaching out here today. You bet. You bet. Well, Steve, if you want to send us any soil samples from it, I'd sure be happy to take a look at that and see what we could do, uh, what, what nutrients we could put out there to, to really get the most bang for our bucks. I know it's not going to be one where you're going to put a ton of stuff out there either to try to, to get it like it'd be ground that you own when it's on, on a rental deal like this. I like your idea, though, with some of those annual forages. Why not give that a shot and see if it could handle some of these uh, tougher situations and and uh, get things turned around, at least get things started. Thanks for the call, Steve. Really appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. We interrupt this message for an important announcement. In these uncertain times, many farmers are looking to prolong their grain storage. That's why Farm Shop MFG is offering a $12.50 credit per germinator towards the purchase of a Grain Temp Guard Alarm DT, up to $200 per unit. Protect last year's crop and start 2020 off right. Go to farmshopmfg.com to order today. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. This is a seed bag. This bag is made of craft paper with a cellophane liner and provides nothing for seed growth. This is a seed bed. It was prepared with Case IH soil management tools. It optimizes everything from nutrient access to water infiltration to create the perfect environment for early uniform emergence. Get to know why your seed bed drives productivity at caseih.com slash soil management. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. It's Farmer Friday, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head back to it. We've got Troy with us right now over in Wisconsin. Troy, how's it going over there? Well, it's a little slow today, Darren. Getting? Are you wet out there? Is it is it muddy still out in the fields, or, or what's holding you up? We had three-tenths of an inch of rain come through, would have been uh, Wednesday evening, and yesterday we didn't hardly see the sun at all, and it's been relatively cool, and it's still just tacky out there enough to where a guy doesn't really want to do anything, and uh, we're just kind of playing the waiting game. Uh, it's, we, we did too much of that last year. Have you gotten anything in at all yet this year, or is this your first stuff that you'll be putting in? No, we've got, there's quite a little been done. Most all the new seeding alfalfa has been put in. Um, I talked to one of my neighbors here. He runs you know, seven or 800 acres, and he's got all of his corn in, and he's working on his beans. And uh, I personally have got about a quarter-ish or so of my corn planted. So um, there's there has been some stuff that's gotten done. It's just we're kind of in one of them lull periods right now. Sure. Sure. Well, I like it that you're not pushing it. It's way too early to be mudding stuff in for sure. So the guys that got the corn in, was their ground pretty fit, do you think? Well, the way that <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a loaded question because if you <laughs> compare it to last year, um, this is the best conditions that we've had, even better than all that we planted in last year. So, but honestly, the stuff that I planted in was really, really nice. Most of the guys that I talked to that were planting were really happy conditions wise. They were just maybe a touch concerned about ground temp because our ground just doesn't seem to warm up when it doesn't get, you know, up into the sixties and seventies during the day. Yep. But, uh, and especially when it's cooling off to forties or even mid thirties at night. And I think there was a couple of nights, even beginning of the week here, we had frost on some of the yards before we went to the field. So, um, just one of them years where you, you're not sure if you should be more gung ho to go or not. So. Yeah. It's, it's tough to know. And, and I, I agree with you. you. If conditions are good out there, it's pretty tempting to be out for sure. We are in a spot where we've got a good chunk of our corn in. We're, we're actually going to start into some soybeans here later today. Soil conditions here, like you said, have been way, way better than last year. And it's been almost ideal in a lot of cases. If anything, just a slight bit too dry in some of the fields on some of the lighter ground. But but what do you do? You just keep plugging. Do you have fertility work you got to do? Do you have field prep work or anything like that? Uh, or are you just ready to plant and that's it? Well, <laughs> there again, another loaded question. Uh, with it being so cool, some of these guys that have, you know, burn downs or prees to put on, you know, that's fine. But if you've got any, you know, dandelions or other winter annuals or anything like that on no-till ground that you're trying to target, you know, how how do you justify spraying anything that's up when it's only 45 or 50 degrees during the day and right. 40 degrees at night or cooler, you know? Yep. So I think the target is right now is since nothing is very going, get your crop in and then tailor your spraying accordingly because mother nature is doing a lot of the weed suppression for you right now. 
Totally so, agree. I, I think I think that's the best best strategy a guy could do. Protect that seed as you put it in the ground, and then you, as soon as you get a couple of days up in the seventies, you're going to do a lot better job on the burn down. No doubt about that. Yeah, we face the same thing, and that's what's hard for guys in different parts of the country. They're like, "What do you mean you have to do it all at the exact same time? Can't you space it out?" But not really. <laughs> We're kind of waiting for the same thing. Once once everything gets actively growing out in the field, that's the best time to have seed in the ground as well. Right. Yeah, it's it's just kind of one of them deals where one guy can only do so much in a day's time. So what's, you know, what takes priority? And I think priority right now is, is conditions are good, get it in the ground, and then worry about what you got left when the time comes. So. Yep. Totally agree. Prioritize and uh, seed has got to be first this time of year. Talking with Troy over in Wisconsin. Troy, good luck. We'll try and send you as much sunshine and more weather as we can. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks. Uh, let's head down to Iowa. Got Mark with us right now. Mark, how are you guys coming? Well, we're coming along pretty good, Darren. Uh, we've had about a full week of open planting and, and going full bore down here. Outstanding. So, uh, in your area, is it mostly corn going in the ground? Have some of the guys gotten into beans already? Well, it's it's kind of a combination. Most everybody's finishing up corn, getting close to it around here. Guys are switching to beans. And actually, I'll be done with planting beans here this afternoon. Wow, that's awesome. All right, so talk to me about this. So for the guys with cover crop versus the guys without, what was this spring like? Was it a year that you said, hey, the cover crop worked out even better, as in they're a little quicker? Uh or did you notice anything different? Well, this year the cover crop was is very slow, um, just because of the cool uh, weather that we've had, and we had very poor establishment last fall. Got a couple turned out, but anything in the corn stalks, it's not barely worth what we did to it. But and and it's grown very little. Our rise only two three inches tall, but we've been cold. I mean, all last week we were frozen solid in the mornings with temperatures in the teens. So it's hard to start planting corn three days later, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's Well, and I think almost everyone we've talked to, gosh, we even talked with Bobby down in Louisiana, and he said last week they had a 37-degree morning to start the day off, and he's like, wow, doesn't make you too excited about planting soybeans when it's 37 degrees out in Louisiana, but here we go, you know, a week later, we're starting to put some beans in in the ground up here in South Dakota, too. You mentioned you had some rye that was like two to three inches tall, so are you burning that down as you're getting going? What's your strategy with that? Normally, we would burn it down, but because of the cold weather and, and things, we I usually like to see three days straight with temperatures above 50 degrees before we do any burn down. And we haven't even come close to that yet. I mean, we've had some nice days, but we'll get in the 40s at night and 30s and stuff like that. So we've been waiting. We'll we'll probably do it all post now. Burn down the rye, put on some residual, and, and go with it all one shot once, once it crops up. Yep, I agree with you, and I know uh, Troy was kind of thinking the same way up in Wisconsin that we got to have a few days of halfways warm temperatures before we even have a shot of killing stuff off. How about with your uh, with your soil applied residual type herbicides? Are you waiting and putting those on with the burn down, or or how do you handle that? Yeah, that's that's our plan. Um, we're going to do that now. Typically, we put it on before planting a week or so, 
but with the cold weather and, and everything, we're just we're probably going to do it all at the same time once it crops up, actually. Do you guys do some spring strip till? And if so, are you putting fertility out at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been all spring strip till for 15, 18, 20 years now. And uh, we we spent all the last week strip tilling. Uh, we strip tilled into bean stubble. We strip tilled into continuous corn. We strip tilled into some nice green uh, cover crop, rye cover crop. Worked beautiful. I've never planted almost this nice. And uh, a lot of it had to do with we've missed. We haven't barely had any rain for three and a half weeks. We missed the Easter snow up north. We missed the snow last Friday down to the south. And so we've we've been fortunate here. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's one of those things. There's guys that have tried to do stuff in the fall. We, Us being one of them, we like to do strip till in the fall if we can on some of this ground. But we're out there freshening up some strips this spring and in some cases putting new strips in the spring. It's been just great. We're using a coulter system. You use coulters in the spring? Yeah, I, I run a coulter, a soil warrior machine, yep. and uh, we put down two forms of nitrogen along with our P and K all at the same time and then come in side dress when the corn's up and then late season application if needed. Yeah, for, for anybody listening today, if you say, man, I haven't seen that, I haven't done that on my own farm, find a neighbor that's doing that. Go go ask if you can dig up some roots and take a look at, at a few plants. It's really been a nice system for us as well. Talking with Mark it's down in great. Talking with Mark in Iowa, wrapping up planting. Man, I'm jealous, Mark, and hopefully you get some warm weather so you can get all that spray done you got to do too. Yep, exactly. All right, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Challenging field conditions often make harvest difficult. Can your corn head handle it? 
The GTS X10 Cornhead from Agra US is a rugged, cost-effective alternative to heavier, more traditional heads. Constructed of durable, yet lightweight aluminum, the X10 puts less strain on your combine without losing harvest effectiveness. And it is 40% lighter than traditional heads, reducing field compaction in those less than ideal conditions. For more information, give us a call at 8334-AGRA US. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. We interrupt this message for an important announcement. In these uncertain times, many farmers are looking to prolong their grain storage. That's why Farm Shop MFG is offering a $12.50 credit per germinator towards the purchase of a Grain Temp Guard Alarm DT, up to $200 per unit. Protect last year's crop and start 2020 off right. Go to farmshopmfg.com to order today. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, our first one comes from Dwight in southwest Missouri. He said, I've attached some grid samples for you, wondering what my first step should be balancing the soil. I know I need to get my potassium level up, but I also see pH in places up in the mid-7s and calcium in the high 80s, a couple of them up into the 90s. Just sure, just want to know where I should start. I'm going to be in soybeans now, and I'm going to be corn in these fields next year. Okay, this is a little bit of an interesting case because, yeah, we do have a lot of low magnesium levels. So you absolutely want to try to get some magnesium out there here soon. So I, I just put it this way. We're at 7% to 9% base saturation magnesium. You need more. One of the other kind of unique things here is it looks like there are spots of poor drainage. It's not the heaviest soil. It's about a 10 CEC, 12 CEC on average. So that's what we would call medium textured soil. But it looks to me like we've got some drainage spots. And the reason why I say that is there's one spot in particular I'm looking at where there's 4% sodium. 4% sodium. That's bad. That means your yield's getting hurt absolutely without question. You got way too much sodium. Well, why do we have the problem there? Because in that same spot, there's also high sulfur. Well, typically, sulfate is going to bind with sodium to form a salt and it's going to leach out. So what that leads me to believe, just my guess, is that either we've got a way over application of manure there and have for a while, or we've got a drainage problem. And I don't know without looking at your field, without knowing some field history, anything else. But I mean, that's one of the things everybody's got to pay attention to with these sodium levels. If you don't fix them, then they're going to start growing, unfortunately, over time, and things are just going to get worse and worse for you. And that's obviously no good. Yeah, he's got a lot of 2%, 3% base saturation potassium levels, so those need to be raised. And it, And here's the whole thing. He's asking about the pH is a little high. It's a hair high. 
what pH it really is, it's indicative of, hey, you've got some other things going on out there. So I won't do anything with that so much. I just work on fixing all your other problems. The potassium's low. We've got a lot of spots of low phosphorus. The sulfur, we got single-digit sulfur levels. So this is just a good example, too. What would you like to pick, sulfate or elemental sulfur? Well, I would absolutely want at least some elemental sulfur because we want to lower that pH at least just a little bit. It's no big deal, but I'm just saying get a fair amount of sulfur out there for your crop. Usually we're looking at 30, 50, 80 parts per million. Well, you're at three. <laughs> so there needs to be a lot of sulfur that's applied. Granted, it's not real heavy soil, so you don't need to build it up tremendously. You're probably going to have to spoon feed a little bit, so you'll have to do some side dressing in season with nitrogen, put some sulfur on again at that point. So I'd put some sulfur on now, I'd put some sulfur on later, that'll help. But yeah, zinc is below one part per million, manganese a lot below six parts per million, copper is below one part per million, boron is like 0.2 parts per million. So all the micronutrients and sulfur need to be addressed in addition to potassium, magnesium, and some spots of phosphorus. Thanks for the questions, Dwight. Got one here. This is a couple of soybean herbicide questions in a row, Brian. The first one comes from John, and John was planning on using Prowl, Authority, and Metribuzin for his three pre's. He was just wondering if he could use Sonic instead of other authority forms just because he had some Sonic on hand he wanted to use up, and he's wondering if that first-rate component or chlorancillum methyl in the Sonic would cause any problems. Well, what what's the number one target weed? Uh, doesn't say, doesn't say, nope. Okay, okay, so so the most popular authority mix is authority first, and that's the exact same thing as Sonic. The reason why I try talking a lot of people out of that is because I go, okay, tell me what your top three weeds are. And people will th give me things like water hemp, kochia, and, I, you know, they start right there, and I'm like, well, wait a second. Both water hemp and kochia, for the most part, are ALS resistant. The component in there, that extra component in Sonic and Authority First, is first rate. It's an ALS. So why are you investing several dollars per acre in a herbicide that won't kill your top target weeds? Now, if you have ragweed that's non-ALS resistant, you have you know a few other weeds that that first rate's good on. I'm all for investing the money in that. And yeah, if all we're trying to do is get rid of some product, there's nothing that's going to hurt you. I mean, as long as you don't get too carried away in the rate and have a carryover issue to next year. But I'm fine using the product. All I'm saying is when we spend money, you know, guys constantly are asking me, how to, how can you help me cut my costs? And I say, well, the first way we're going to do it is not wasting money on herbicides that don't kill our target weeds. So that's usually why I try talking people into authority MTZ in a lot of cases instead of authority first because metribuzin is going to do a much better job on water hemp, kochia, mare's tail, and a lot of these um, ALS-resistant weeds. All right, thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. I uh, got one here. This is from Jacob, and he said, I'm raising non-GMO soybeans, and I know you guys talk about straight good products that could be used, whether you have Roundup Ready beans or not. Could you focus on the straight good products I may use for herbicides this year on my non-GMO soybeans? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people think that we don't want farmers raising non-GMO soybeans. I couldn't care less. You do whatever you want to do. That's fine. 
it's just more challenging to kill the weeds. And it's even more important that you start with a great pre-emerge herbicide program. And I can promise you, if we were raising non-GMO soybeans on our farm, we would not plant a single bean, I don't care if we're in no-till, strip-till, conventional till, unless the herbicide is already on. It has to be on or you're in big trouble when it comes to weed control, unless you're willing to do like what Darren and I used to have to do, which is walk beans. So if you don't want to walk the beans, then here's what you do. You put down three pre's, start with like trifluralin or prowl, plus authority or valor, plus metribuzin. So you've got what we call our three pre program. Then you're going to come early on post-emerge, and I'm talking when the beans are pretty small, with a group 15, so that'd be like a warrant or a zidua or something like that. And then you combine that with a PPO, either Flexstar or Cadet. So you can buy premixes of those things, like Warrant Ultra is Warrant plus Flexstar, or Anthem Max is Zidua plus Cadet. So what I'm saying here is you get three pre's out, you get two residual herbicides, and Flexstar also has contact activity, and so does Cadet, uh, early post. Well, now you've got five herbicides out there. You've got four modes of action out there. You've got five products that have residual. Now you're in good shape. Now when you come later on, you can clean up, you know, some escapes with, let's say it's Pursuit for Nightshade. Let's say it's uh, Cobra for Kosha. Uh, or ragweed. I mean, you have a few options later on. You got Harmony for lamb's quarters. You have obviously like Select Max or Fusillade or one of those for volunteer corner grass. So after that point, once you get all these things on, like I'm telling you, your three pre's, your two early post products, then you just scout the field, see what you have left. And you might have nothing left. You might be in great shape. So all I'm saying is if you do this, you should be able to have great beans and weeds should not be your yield limiting factor. Oh, right. and by the way, it doesn't cost that much money. A lot of people go, oh my gosh, you're going to spend me in the poorhouse. I can do three pre's for 10 to $12 on the low side if I'm using trifluralin. 10 to 12 bucks, that's it. And I can do like a warrant ultra. If I'm in on that bear program, I mean, my warrant ultra is probably $4, maybe six. So, I mean, I haven't even spent 20 bucks and I've got five herbicides out there. Well, if I can do that for under $20, absolutely I'm doing that. Yep, I agree. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Jacob. And, yeah, you can you can definitely be super successful with those non-GMO beans as well. You just can't let weeds get started. All right, got a question from Dwayne here, and he said, I don't really believe in soil tests. I keep hearing you guys talk about them. I'm just wondering, is there one thing that I should start with to get more out of my land, or am I just stuck to start with soil tests? You're stuck to start with soil tests. Uh, but How about drainage, Brian? How about drainage? Would you say that, you could figure that out first? One thing before that. Well, what? okay, so we just I just bought some new land. First thing that always happens is dirt work. Take care of the dirt work, then tiling, then we go to, hey, we want to fix the fertility issues. Hey, thanks for the question, Dwayne. Yeah, it's, I know, I know, if you don't know a lot about the soil test, you may be a little intimidated when you see all those numbers out there, but we've got a lot uh, of resources. We'll help you. Yeah, yeah, just send your questions to us. We'd love to help you send those soil tests here, and then you can also check a lot of our content out online as well. Thanks for all the questions today. Really appreciate that, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.